You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 104, Mindfulness of Spaces. Welcome to episode 104 of the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Together, we have over three decades of experience designing harmonious spaces for our clients in our businesses through articles, books, workshops, videos, podcasts, Instagram, everything, all the stuff that we do. We have guided thousands of people to shift their energy and revitalize their living spaces. It would be cool if we could say millions. (laughs) Five more years. Okay. So Mindful Design School which brings you this podcast, offers feng shui courses and certifications. Be sure to check us out at mindfuldesignschool.com. So today I'm going to interview Angie, everyone, because we were talking and she's been working on a presentation. What's this presentation that you're working on for that you're going to, that you were So I am a member of a Buddhist community called Shambhala, and we have a center in New York City, and I've done um, talks for them before, but I have another talk for them tonight. And So you were preparing? Talk. Yeah, so... I put this talk together, and it's really about feng shui meditation, so we thought it would be a nice thing to share, because also, mm-hmm. like, you know, Laura and I, this is... It's a kind of a lot of work putting together content for a podcast every week. So we um, were always brainstorming on what we can talk about. So this, this really seemed of the moment and Mm -hmm. yeah, and we wanted to share. It works well. Mm -hmm. And I think people are thinking about this stuff now. I mean, we're into the new year, you know, we're in most, a lot of us are at home and spending a lot of time at home and we have been for a while uh, it looks like it's going to be like that for a little bit while, a little while longer. So this sort of this topic, I think, is yeah, as you said, it's really timely. I think it's going to benefit people. And so the topic is about bringing more mindfulness into our homes, and the idea of mindfulness as a practice, as a meditation practice, and how that translates into the home, into the environment, right? So Angie, why don't you tell us a little bit about? mindfulness meditation and how you see that extending, just like I said, extending into how we shape environments and the connection with environments. Sure. So I'm a meditation practitioner and it's a big part of my life as is feng shui. And in truth, I feel that they are basically the same thing that feng shui is, it's a meditation or mindfulness of your environment. Whereas Sitting meditation is kind of a more simplified version, but they are interconnected and interdependent. Just like um, whenever I talk about feng shui, I always try to emphasize the deeper meaning of it is that the reason why we want to move stuff in our home to shift our energy is because we are connected to our homes and we're not separate. And I think especially in 2020, a lot of people spent more time indoors than they ever had. And most people spent more time in their homes than they ever had. But um, but I think across the board, most people spent more time at home because we weren't able to travel. We weren't able to go visit friends as much and go to public spaces. So I think we all had to look at what our relationship, our, relationship to our spaces are. And similarly, 
mindfulness awareness or mindfulness meditation practice is about sitting down and being and slowing down and beginning to notice all the details in your life so that you can have a way to work with speed, clutter, aggression, speediness. And it's all, it's really a lot of the same topics that we talk about in feng shui. Mm -hmm. And I, you talked, I think you said something about the outer environment. So we all, we talk a lot about when we're talking with our students, especially in the early stages of learning this practice, a little bit about the idea of connecting the inner and the outer. So what does that mean for you from both a feng shui standpoint? And then how do you connect that to your practices in your mindfulness meditation as well? The idea of inner and outer. So when I, when we teach this to our students, I am, I teach it from the, maybe the more generic perspective that obviously your outside environment, like your bedroom or your home, that's the outer. And that extends further out to like your house, to your neighborhood, to your country, to planet earth. And then the inner environment is kind of like what is inside, like that voice that we have inside our heads or the feelings and emotions that we have or our sense perceptions. So when we talk about inner and outer environments and meditation, it's actually the same thing. (laughs) But sometimes the outer environment also includes other people. Mm -hmm. But same thing in feng shui, the outer environment connects to other people. And like one easy way that we, for people to understand this in terms of feng shui is like space clearing. So you can work on doing an internal space clearing and clearing your mind, doing breath work. And you can also do the same thing with your spaces. When you say like, is a meditation kind of like space clearing for your body? Um, Yeah, it can be. To create space? It can be, except that I think space clearing and meditation both have the maybe misconception or maybe the superficial connection that you like for meditation, people think, oh, it's about not having any thoughts. Mm. And with space clearing, people think, oh, it's about getting rid of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you go deeper in either practice, it's not about space clearing is not about like getting rid of bad stuff or stuff or keeping bad people away. Sometimes when you get deeper into the practice, you actually might attract more challenging people in your life so you can grow or that you begin to interact with the challenging situations or the negative energy or so you can learn how to protect yourself and create boundaries and it's and we always talk about transmuting it which doesn't make it disappear because it's not a magic trick nothing's going to disappear but you can shift your perception on it and transmute it so it's still there but it's different And similarly with meditation, like mindfulness meditation, it's not about clearing your mind of thoughts, but it's beginning to start to notice the habitual patterns of your thoughts. And similarly in feng shui too, like when you start to pay attention to your spaces, you start to see, especially with our, like our feng shui students, you get to, you start to see, oh, wow, these patterns begin to arise in our homes and they represent something. Like, remember I was telling you about a consultation I recently did? I did a consultation for a client and she was telling me one of the main things she wanted to work on was that she had an injury to her, I think it was her left knee. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, her left knee. And it had been a few years and she's young and she wanted to kind of get that back in balance. 
And then when we looked at her floor plan, the area of her bedroom that related to the right knee had a missing area and it was sloped. And so that means that there's kind of like some challenges there. And then we looked at, we laid her body on the bed and it related to one of her bed legs. Your leg relates to your one of your bed legs. And the leg that was related to her left leg, she said, she was like, oh my God. She's like, okay, the bed I have, like it was too, it was homemade. So it the bed frame was, was made by someone. So it was uneven. So her boyfriend had cut that leg, but then he cut it too short because first it was too long and then he cut it too short. So then he had to like put a little shim on it and like bolt it together. So it was kind of like patched together. Hobbled together. I know. Yeah. I was thinking it was hobbled together, which I think could really, it's very much like immediately, like that's your knee. Like there's Mm -hmm. some kind of disjoint with the knee and we were both like, whoa, this is... Mm -hmm. And also like even um, one of my friends who came to our practical feng shui class, she said over the holidays, she was using some of the stuff that she learned in class, plus from the New Year's Reset program for her mom's feng shui. And she said immediately things started shifting, like something about like her mom really wanted to get back to work, Mm -hmm. but her boss, because she was out because she'd been sick, her boss had been avoiding talking to her for months because she didn't want her to come in and COVID and what whatnot, as soon as she made a shift in her career area and they moved some blockages, he called. It, it, it was immediate, it, but he had been avoiding her for years. So it's also like, just like in when meditation, when we stop and, and are just sitting and with our thoughts, we can begin to see the patterns in our our habitual patterns and start to get to know ourselves because We spend most of our time being so busy, not even getting to know ourselves. And same with our spaces. When we look at the feng shui, we notice, oh my gosh, I've been like, I've had this thing blocking my path all these years, or I've had like a door that's been hard to open all these years, or I've created, I've been in out of command my whole life. Like there's so many things that people learn. Yeah. So for feng shui and um, meditation, obviously as well. It's not about making something good or bad um, because energy is energy and you can't, you know, I mean, it's, you could, you just, as you said, transmute it. So the idea is to become more aware, right? Of what is happening. So, and being, once you become aware and you start to put focus on things and look at them in a different lens or look at them at all, things do start to shift in both, both practices, right? So what are some ways that you would say is a way to cultivate mindfulness and awareness in your home. You mentioned a couple, you know, looking at, you know, details in the home or things or patterns, but what what are a couple of things that you would say are good ways to cultivate that awareness? Mm. Well, I think the first thing is to, uh, it just circles back to everything I've been saying is to recognize and begin to become curious about how we are not separate from our outside world, that we are interconnected and interdependent with other people, with our spaces, and even objects that they are all alive. I think we've even learned that a lot during this global pandemic is that we have this common thread that we're all having the same experience as human beings on this earth at this time. So just Becoming curious about that and 
not and recognizing it and opening up to the idea that maybe your bed is alive or that that obnoxious person that sent you the email the mean email is <laughs> is um is just like you and may, maybe you're having a bad day and and then you can also start to see how the second thing is then so first is noticing and becoming curious about how everything is interconnected and interdependent how we're not separate the inner and the outer and then the second would be to begin to pay attention to the details in your environment so one of the main tenets of mindfulness practice is to begin to be present in now so it's simply slowing down and paying attention to the details and in mindfulness, we might want to look at like, what are the obstacles and habitual patterns that keep coming up? And then we can also slow down as we move through our home and see like, what are obstacles in our path that are habitual patterns? Like what Laura and I have a student who he lives in a, in a New York City apartment, a long railroad apartment, which is really narrow. So you have like one hallway that goes through and then rooms off of it. And he had a bike that he never used right in the middle. So every several times a day, he would have to walk around it, right? So that's kind of that. And that's like a pattern or it's an obstacle that you get really used to and you ignore, but you accommodate for it. So just starting to pay attention to the details of your environment or, or even starting to see like, how parts of your home represent you. Like we always talk about like Laura, right? Like we always talk about your bedroom is you, your desk is your career, your refrigerator and can represent your health. I mean, this is all kind of common sense if you think mm -hmm. about it, right? But if we start to pay attention to like, what's going on in that refrigerator? Have you cleaned it out lately? Do you have things that are um, spoiled or expired or where is there dust collecting in your home or where are you making accommodations in your daily path? Mm -hmm. And then the third tip would be to simplify. So it's not necessarily decluttering, but how can we make every moment a ceremony? Like I take tea ceremony class. And one thing that my teacher was saying that we practice the same thing every week, basically. Right. And you're just, the goal is, not really a goal, but the, you're making a cup, you want to make the best cup of tea for your guest, but you're making, you're essentially making the same cup of tea every time, but every time it's a different cup of tea and it's a different moment. It's a different experience. So, but when you have, so when you can simplify your environment, you can have an opportunity to, um, start to appreciate things because so if you have like a room full of like 10 things that you love or a room like a room with one thing that you love, you can really appreciate that one thing. So one of my favorite examples is, I guess it depends on how old you are, but Laura, you remember when we were young and we would get like our first like record or first CD mm -hmm. or first tape? Yep. Yeah. You would get like one. Your mom would say, okay, you can get one. <laughs> You'd pick that one and I'd go home Played and over remember. And over and over again. 
Yeah, you'd listen to it over and over again. I'd lay in bed reading like the see the tape cover, like the tiny tape mm-hmm. color with all the lyrics. How many times would you read listen to that one tape and memorize every lyric and read every detail about it? And it became very precious, right? But now we like download a zillion <laughs> like songs and don't listen to any. You sound you're sounding really old now. Stop it. <laughs> or okay. Or what happened? Um, like I just when I went to Japan about a year ago in February of last year, I didn't, you know, I was traveling. I didn't have that much with me. And I remember I just had two pairs of two pairs of shoes and I didn't have much to do besides just explore. And so I spent like almost every night cleaning my shoes really well. And I never do that <laughs> when I'm home in New York, right? So, because you have to clean your shoes in Japan when you go places. <laughs> no, because I had nothing to do. I didn't have oh. that much to do. So I'm like, oh, I just have some, a couple pairs of shoes, um, some clothes. <laughs> clean yeah. my, clean my shoes. That's a big thing. So I'm like, yeah, but I clean them really. Like I, it, you know what I mean? When you yes. have something that's precious, like having things that are precious rather than collecting a lot of information or collecting a lot of objects. So because personally, like I get, super overwhelmed with how much we have available mm-hmm. to us. Um, that actually brings, okay. So you talked a little bit about the beauty of simplicity because we in the podcast, I mean, we've, we've, we just did a few episodes ago. We talked to Catherine about this and, um, and how this, I mean, you talked a little bit about the simplicity and how it connects to mindfulness practice. And it also does connect with feng shui. I mean, we try to overcomplicate things, when we practice this sometimes, cause we learn so much of this practice and we want to use all these, um, adjustments and corrections and cures and blah, 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 blah. sometimes it's better to just be simple. And sometimes the simplest approach is the, is the strongest and the most powerful approach. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is similar to what you're saying. Um, and then, but you, you touched on one thing. And so I thought we could leave with our listeners as we transition into this new year, you know, there are many people that are overwhelmed, unsure. I mean, yeah, we're into a new year, but that doesn't mean much. It's really just a calendar clicking over, right? Things are still, you know, can be overwhelming. So what would you just say to someone who is overwhelmed and stuck right now, things that they can do in that, this idea of being able to work with their own space, because really that's what they have right now. A lot of people. I would recommend, and this is probably not what people want to hear, to carve out a space and time, because time and space are the same thing, actually, to meditate every day, at least like five minutes a day. Start with five minutes a day, every day, and consistency is more important. And find a place in your home that you always go to that can be your support, because I I remember I was a kind of meditator for for like a decade and what changed was a couple things my my now meditation teacher David he had said that the first time I saw I met him in a class he said you know I knew someone that kind of meditated for 10 years and I was like oh boy that's me (laughs) and um and then another some someone in like actually our the feng shui master's program she said that she decided to start meditating because she realized she wanted to treat herself. And I realized 
wow, that's really sad that I can't even give myself five minutes a day to meditate, that I'm too busy for that, that I've, I'm going through my life with so much overwhelm and aggression and speediness that I can't even fit five minutes in to, to cultivate myself. So I think that starting with that and, and having a consistency with your practice with no matter what comes up, whether it's a rainy day, whether it's a good day, whether it's a bad day, whether whatever comes up that you always show up for yourself. And there's so many ways to begin to work with overwhelm. And, and this goes hand in hand with your space because I want you to also find a place in your home where this practice can take place. So you can start to create a space in your home that supports you as well. And that can just be like the edge of your bed. Yeah. It doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Thank you, Angie, for walking us through this topic and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And why don't we tell them about the, the, so we, so now that we're doing this every week, we added in, well, we've invited Christina Wingard uh, uh, once a month to do the astrology forecast. And we have a new, new thing that's starting in February. Yeah. We're going to start in February. We're going to do one, once a month, one week. I don't know which week it is. I think it's like the last week. We're going to try and be pretty consistent. Um, We're going to do um, an ongoing series in this Feng Shui 101, basically keeping it really simple, bringing our listeners, uh, feng shui basics. So stuff that you can, um, not just stuff you can do in your home. Like, yes, obviously we'll talk about that, but almost as like a mini tiny mini course. So I see it as being, so we're going to go through, I'm, I'm pulling together the stuff now and the topics and hopefully it'll flow well, but, um, yeah, so that you can have look forward to, and I hope people enjoy it. Cause I think it's nice to get back to basics sometimes. Yeah. So we're going to call that feng shui 101. And I think we're actually going to re- revisit and maybe update some of our old episodes. I mean, the old episodes will still stay available for you to listen to because my students tell me they've listened to like all the episodes and they listen to like clients tell me they listen to it all listen to them all the time. So we're really grateful for you longtime listeners and new listeners, but we might like, I think we'll like revisit and refresh because, you know, Laura and I, like, we don't really, we don't pre-script any of this stuff. We're kind of always talking off the top of our heads. And so we really want to always provide for you our kind of current what's happening for us now, our, our experience around our practice right now, as well as, you know, how to bring it up to date. Like, Oh, one last thing I was reading about Buddhism, which I think works with feng shui too, is um, there's a Zen adage that there's that Buddhism, or we could say feng shui is like a bread recipe, but nobody wants to eat stale bread. So we've, you know, we have Laura and I have learned different recipes, but basically the same recipe from our teachers and they keep teaching us, they keep making new loaves of bread for us. And we are making fresh loaves of bread for all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Good. No, I like that though. Yeah. I like how he was like, uh, I think it was Alan Watts that said it, um, but that nobody wants stale bread. (laughs) It's true. That's true. But a lot of practices. Cool. 
Thank you so much for listening to this earlier episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. Now you can tune in every Monday for a new podcast episode. If you like our podcast and this episode, please share the podcast with others. Subscribe and even better, leave a review. If you'd like to explore the world of holistic spaces and feng shui on an even deeper level, please visit our website, online store, and blog for more information about feng shui and holistic living. You can visit holisticspaces.com. Support the podcast by checking out our certification and mini courses at mindfuldesignschool.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.